Uh, we are in day two of 12s to 14s, and we will be continuing on in our series uh, looking at Romans chapter 8. Before I uh, launch into it, I just wanted to say this. Nigerians are the funniest people. <laughs> uh, and the reason I think they're so funny is because, as you know, I grew up in a Nigerian home. And growing up in an African home, you, you understand that education is like really important. Uh, now, education is important to most families from wherever you are in the world, but for African families, it's really, really important. Uh, meaning, really, you only have the choice of four career options. Uh, they are doctor, lawyer, engineer, or disgrace to the family. <laughs> You get those four choices, so you must choose wisely. Uh, I'm pretty sure that my parents chose my career before I was even born. I remember when I was young, I, I said to my mum, she was very keen on me being a lawyer, a, a barrister specifically. I said to my mum, Mummy, I don't want to be a lawyer, I want to be a musician. <laughs> the poor woman nearly fell over. <laughs> it went something like this. What? My son? You don't want to be a, a barrister, you don't want to be a lawyer, you want to be a musician. So you want to go dancey-dancey like Madonna. Is that what you want to do with your life? Jesus, this boy, he wants to throw away his education. And it went on like that for some minutes. Um, and so you have very limited options uh, as an African child in some ways. But another thing you learn um, growing up in an African family is never to talk back to your mum. Did I get an amen over there somewhere? <laughs> Never to talk back to your mum. Now, truth be told, you shouldn't talk back to anyone, any parent, right? No matter where they're from, not just African parents, but uh, you learn, <laughs> if you talk back to an African mum, it, it doesn't end well for you, let's just put it that way. And there are three la uh, levels, there are three stages to this. And the first level uh, I call the look. This is stage one. No, that's not the look. That's, <laughs> that's the look I... That's, yeah, that was me when I was younger. Uh, feel free to take that off. Quite embarrassing. Stop it. Stop it. It is the look. Uh, and this is the look. So the look uh, which parents, African parents, give to uh, their kids has been uh, striking fear into generations of uh, young African children. And this is what happens. So you've, been, you've talked back to your mum. Okay, you shouldn't have. You shouldn't have, right? <laughs> and all of a sudden, you turn around and you see this. <laughs> what happened there? I zoned out for a sec. <laughs> well, that was intense. Whew. That's the look. And generally speaking, when you see that look, run 100 miles in the opposite direction. But that's only level one, right? There's also level two. Level two, uh, I call the verse. Uh, and this is a verse that has been quoted to every African child every single day since they were born. It's every African parent's favorite verses on all of their fridges, etc., etc. And it could go a little something like this. You may have talked back to your mum. You shouldn't have done it. And then she says something along the lines of this. Eh, Okay. So you want to talk back to your mommy. Okay. Don't you know that the Bible says, honor your father and mother? 
If you're African, have you heard that one before? Yeah. Oh, amen. I feel your pain. My, I'm pretty sure my mum wanted me to get that tattooed on my forehead, uh, just so I would never forget it. But that's only phase two. There's phase three. I call phase three the reminder. And the reminder goes a little something like this. Let's say you've upset your mum. You've talked back to her. You shouldn't have done it, right? And your mum says this. So you're talking back to me. Have you forgotten that for nine months I carried you in my tummy? Have you forgotten that I had to push your big head out of me? Don't talk back to an African mum or dad. Just believe me. Please don't. But I joke. I love my mum. She, she, she's awesome. She, she believes in Jesus. She knows God is our father. And she's creative. Uh, she takes this to uh, really new levels. I remember one particular occasion. My mum and I were taking a, a trip. We were on the train together. We were going somewhere. And as often happens, the ticket inspector comes around and says, tickets please, tickets please. And that's what's happening. And the ticket inspector is going to all the carriages saying, tickets please. And they're producing tickets. Tickets please. It gets to myself and my mum, and my mum had her ticket, and my mum presents her ticket to the ticket inspector. And the ticket inspector looks at it and says, Oh, um, madam, is there any reason you've got a, a child's ticket? My mum looked him dead in the eye and said, Don't you know I am a child of God? <laughs> And that's actually our topic for conversation today. We're going to be talking about what it means to be a child of God. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't mean discounted welfare, um, but there are a number of other privileges that it does mean, and we'll be exploring them. So I think my uh, friend Pete is going to read the scripture, then we'll pray, then we'll get to work. Pete, over to you. Okay, this is from Romans 8, verse 15. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Yeah, Father God, we just thank you so much that we can know you in this way. And we just ask, Father God, for the presence of Jesus and the presence of the Holy Spirit. Lord, we need your help to see you in this wonderful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So if you were to ask me if I could describe God in one word, uh, the word that I would probably use is father. Uh, father. And the reason I would use that word is because the word father um, really implies a, a number of other words that kind of describe what a father might look like. And I, I wouldn't be alone in suggesting that God is a father. Jesus used that word about God all the time. In fact, when Jesus' disciples were asking him to pray, how do we pray? We see that you're praying like a lot, Jesus. Teach us how to pray. The first thing Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9 is this. Pray like this then. Our Father. It's the first thing he says. Father. Think. God. Father. So it was very important for Jesus to teach his disciples to call God Father. People that believed in him. But it's also important to the father himself for you to understand that he's a father. Uh, so important, he's actually worked it into uh, the DNA of creation. Because right at the center 
of what it means to be a human really is the family unit. And a key office within the family unit is the office, is the role of father. And God didn't just look at fathers and think, oh, that's pretty cool. I like what I've created there. Do you know what? I like that so much, I'm going to start being like a father to Christians. I'm going to start relating that way to them. Uh, No, it's not like that at all. It's actually more profound than that. Uh, On the contrary, uh, God was actually a father before he ever said, let there be light. Uh, God was a father before he ever was actually a creator. God God has always been a father because in eternity past, which is forever and ever and ever backwards, he is always related to his son Jesus as father. And the son has related to the father as a son. And God the father had no beginning and God the son had no no beginning. And therefore they have always forever been father and son, which essentially means God has always been a father. That's core to what it means to be God. Uh, this is why uh, God takes it so seriously how, how we treat our parents to honor our fathers and mothers. I joked about it earlier, but God really does want us to do that. He wants us to listen to our parents. He wants us to respect them. It, it brings God immense joy and, 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 and pleasure when he sees us respecting, obeying our parents. God absolutely loves it. Uh, God wants us to even look at our earthly fathers and think, okay, so God the Father is kind of like him, but, but better, but perfect. Ideally, that's what God the Father wants. But I'm aware that there will be many in a room the size of this who perhaps have struggled with fathers. Maybe you're here and perhaps you have never met your biological father. Maybe you're here and you have met your biological father, but he's basically just not around. For some of you, you feel all that you've ever wanted is to feel loved by your dad. All you've ever wanted is for him to be proud of you. I just feel God showing me even now just situations, sports occasions, special sports events that you have participated in, or I'm seeing sort of musical events and like drama events, maybe even school plays that you've longed for your father to attend, but he hasn't. Or maybe he has attended, but he just feels like he wasn't very present. There will be some people in this room as well. In fact, I I know this. I'm, I'm feeling God tell me this. There are some people in this room that are trying not to think about going home from New Day. Because you feel like when you think about it, you, you're getting like a feeling in your stomach, like, like, a, like in your pit of your stomach, like, a, oh. Because you know there's something at home that's kind of waiting for you that's unpleasant. Maybe even to do with your father. Maybe it's an anger thing. Well, well, if any of this is you, listen to me. I, I am so sorry. I am so sorry. You see, I, I understand. 
I identify with you because I too, I have never met my biological father. I'm adopted. And you know, I've told you a lot about my family and um, how funny they are and they are. But what I haven't told you is how I actually came to the United Kingdom. Because I was born in Lagos, Nigeria. I was born out of marriage, which is a, a shameful thing in Nigeria today. How much more? 30 years ago. Shameful. I was born to a poor African woman. Single mum. She, 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 my, my biological father, he very uh, early on didn't really want to have anything to do with me. Uh, so much so that my biological mother booked an appointment with the clinic to have me terminated. On the way to the clinic, God spoke to my biological mother and said, don't do it. Don't do it. So she turned the car around and didn't abort me, thank God. But what she did do is she, she gave me up for adoption. And I was adopted by a Nigerian mother and an Englishman, my mum and my dad. And my mum and dad, <laughs> they didn't need me. And this is a picture of God. Because God the Father, he doesn't need you. But my mum and dad, they wanted me. And God the Father wants you. He's wanted you your whole life. And isn't it better to be wanted rather than needed? Because if you're needed, it depends on you. If you're no longer good enough, if someone comes in that's better, if someone just doesn't need you anymore, you're, you're thrown away like a tin of beans. But if you're wanted like God wants you, you are wanted forever. Forever. But then you might say, but Toby, hang on a sec, but what about sin? What happens if I sin? What happens if I, I, God doesn't want me? You've just said that God wants me forever, but how can you be sure? How can you be sure in a year, in six months, in, in 2,000 years, he may not want me? How can you be sure? It's a, it's a good question. Let me answer that by saying this. God has known you for a really long time. God knew you before you knew you. God knew you in your mother's womb as he was forming you. God knew you before the foundation of the world, before God said, let there be light. God knew your full name. He knew you a billion years ago. And with this perfect knowledge of you, 
also comes a perfect knowledge of your sin. Therefore, God knew that you would lie. God knew you would cheat. God knew that you would steal. God knew that you would swear. God knew that you would be proud. God knew that you would doubt him. God knew that you would watch porn. God knew that you would gossip. God knew you would struggle with how you look. God knew that you would lust. God knew that you would be fearful. God knew that you would dishonor him. God knew that you would disobey him. God knew that you would have anxiety. God knew that you would lack confidence. And do you know what he said? I choose you anyway. I choose you anyway. This means, my friend, my brother, my sister, you may not have had a good mother. You may not have had a good father. But through faith in Jesus, you can have the perfect father. You can. You can know him. And with this perfect knowledge of you, God wants you to have an increasingly perfect knowledge of him. He wants you to know him. And you know him by reading the Bible. You know him by speaking to him. You know him by singing to him in the mornings. That's what I do. You know him by being in community in church and learning about him through other youth leaders and and people. He wants you to know him. Know him to such a point that You even call him Abba. And that's what we read. It says in 15, uh, Romans 8, 15, you have received the spirit of adoption of sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. And what Abba means, Abba is an Aramaic word. It's the language that Jesus and disciples uh, used. And it means, well, it means dad. God wants you to know him as father. And that's appropriate, the, the, the respect that you have for God. Yes, Father. But God also wants you to know him as as Dad. Dad. And friends, you need to know that you, each and every single person in here, you have been created to know God. That's your purpose. What's the meaning of life? Spoiler alert. To know God. That is, it's really quite simple. Uh, you were created to know his love. And, and therefore, I am certain that for so many of you, because this is the way you were made and created, if you haven't experienced God as a father or been experiencing God as a father, I think this may be the missing link. I think this may be the missing link in your life. I think if you started to relate to God as a wonderful, loving, perfect father who wants to adopt you into his spiritual family, that a lot of things would be different in your life. Things would start to make sense. Things would start to make sense. And this is kind of what it means when it says, you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Uh, But the, the, the scripture we read... It's really in two parts. It's, it's talking about God as a father, but it's also talking about fear and anxiety. Uh, this is what we read. For, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. And you can say, hang on a second, Toby. That doesn't make sense. How on earth could it be talking about God as a father and also fear? Those are two opposites. 
And what Romans 8 is doing here, it's contrasting fear and father, it's contrasting adoption and anxiety, and it's saying essentially the reality that not every single person in this room is a child of God. If you haven't repented of your sin, done a U-turn from going your own way and started going the way of Jesus and follow him and giving your life to him, ultimately you're not a child of God. The Bible actually says in Romans 5 verse 10 that if you don't believe in Jesus, you're an, you're an enemy of God. And there is nothing more frightening to me than having God Almighty as my great enemy. There's nothing more frightening to me than having at the end of my life hearing your sins have not been forgiven. There's nothing more frightening than that. And therefore, if you don't know God as a father and you kind of fear God and you kind of stay away, oh, I don't want God, I don't want to go to church, I don't want to go to youth, I want to stay away from God, because you are still made with this need for God's love and God's approval and God's acceptance, it doesn't mean that all of a sudden you've been created differently. You've still been created with a need for God's approval, a need for God's acceptance. The only difference is, if you're not a Christian, or even Christians do this, you may be looking for the approval and the acceptance that you should be finding from God in other people and other situations. So many of us here in this very room, you will understand what I'm about to say, so many of you are looking for acceptance by the way you look. You say to yourself subconsciously, If I look pretty, if I look good, if I wear the best clothes with the the best names, the best designer clothes, then people will accept me. Others of you, it's Instagram. Perhaps you're pursuing likes and pursuing followers. If if loads of people like me, uh, follow me, if loads of people like my posts, then I'll be accepted. Oh. Or maybe you're looking at other social media influencers and thinking, goodness gracious, if I had that face, if I had that hair, if I had that physique, then I'd be accepted, then I'd be approved. The trouble is it gives you anxiety because what happens if you're not? And what happens if you are for a period, then it, people just go to someone else. This is why it's talking about father and fear. Because when we don't have God as a father and look to him, we tend to go fearful because we're trying to find acceptance in other places. But what happens if I'm not good enough? It leads to anxiety, which is an epidemic in our generation. It's an epidemic. Maybe anxiety is your thing. Maybe, maybe for the last number of months, maybe, you have been feeling increasingly anxious, maybe even in the run-up to this event. Maybe it was a struggle to get you here, and maybe while you've been here, it's been a struggle with so many people. Maybe you just feel anxious. Maybe you feel like anxiety is something that is like like a claw that's getting tighter and tighter on you. I believe God wants to break that from you. Maybe you've experienced a panic attack, and when you experienced your panic attack, you thought you were having a heart attack. Maybe you thought you were going to die. Well, let me tell you this. That Jesus has gone to the most anxious place of all. For you and for me. Jesus knows what it's like to have God Almighty as his great enemy because on that cross, that's exactly what happened. 
And Jesus received the full wrath, the Bible uses that word, wrath, anger of God, judgment, condemnation, so that you don't have to fear the very scariest thing ever if you believe in Jesus. Meaning you have peace with God. And that peace is a peace that filters through to every area of your life. Meaning you don't have to put on a show for people. You don't have to look for approval and acceptance in other people. Why? Because you know you've got approval and acceptance from him. And his approval and his opinion and his acceptance is the only thing that really matters. And you start living for him and not for likes, not for other people, not for boyfriends or girlfriends. But you might say this. You might say to me, okay, Toby, You're saying that I don't have to be anxious anymore if I believe in Jesus. I don't have to ever fear again. But Toby, I've got a question for you. I'm a Christian and I do sometimes get anxious and I do sometimes get fearful. What do I do? But I thought you're just, you're telling me that I will never get fearful again. But what happens if I do and I'm a Christian? Well, the Bible talks about a throne. That God sits on a throne. And God's throne is called the throne of grace. And God sits on it like this. And the Bible tells us to approach God's throne when we're anxious, when we're fearful. But I want you to understand how. You see... God doesn't want you to approach his throne like this. You who God, you there? <laughs> he doesn't want you to approach it like that. You can be fun with God, obviously, but he doesn't want you to kind of stand by the door and be like, God, will you listen to me? Are you, is it all right to speak to you? Or I'm sorry, I'm, I'm afraid. He doesn't want you to approach him like this. Nor does God want you to approach him like this. God, please, please, would you just, for a moment, just listen to me. Please don't be angry with me. I've messed up. I'm afraid. Please, please don't be angry with me. I've sinned. I've, uh, please, I don't want you with it. He doesn't want you to approach him like that either. That's God's throne over there. See this? He doesn't want you to approach him like this either. Opposite him. Do you know how God wants you to approach him? In prayer. He wants you to boldly approach him with confidence. Get onto the throne with him. And sit on your father's lap. And in that place, you have God the Father's undivided attention. You can tell him anything. He will never cast you away. He is an exceptional listener. You can tell him all of your fears all of your anxieties, and he will help you as your dad. Therefore, if you know God as a father, it becomes your identity, it becomes who you are, 
It becomes how you identify yourself. Meaning, the scripture for today was Romans 8 chapter, excuse me, Romans chapter 8 verse 15. You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons. Translation, I'm no longer a slave to fear. I am a child of God. If you stand up for me. I'm just going to pray. Father God, I thank you that you are this way. I thank you you're so good and so kind and so loving and so merciful and so gracious. I thank you that we can approach you with confidence about anything. I thank you that you will never turn us away. I thank you that you love us. I thank you that you provided Jesus so that we can come and know you personally, even as we are fully known. And I just pray right now in the power of the Holy Spirit and in the name of Jesus that the spirit of adoption of sons would fall down on us and we would start to experience God the Father as the perfect Father. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. Let's worship God.